the Lord. Have mercy. Have mercy. Ah, turn if you would to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 59 is where we'll start off this morning. Thank you, Brother Aaron, for a great, great music service. I tell you, I praise the Lord every time I just get to preach behind these guys. Uh, uh, what you see in the music is just an outflow of the life, and I'm telling you, it's obvious uh, when God's working. Amen. It's always great to see God moving and God working. Isaiah chapter 59 is where we'll start this morning. When you come to chapter 59, the Lord marvels. And, uh, you know, there's different ways that the Lord marvels, and he just sits in wonder. And when you come to chapter 59 of Isaiah, it's not a good way. The Lord marvels because he's looking for an intercessor, and he cannot find one. He's looking for someone who will intercede for others, and he, he can't find one. Now, everybody in here, we all want revival. We, we think an evangelist blows in, blows up, and blows out, and we're going to have revival, and he brings it with him, and we just rejoice and all that. That's just not true. It's just not true. Revival is not the work of man. Revival is the work of God. And the work of God is only done when we're desperate. And the real truth is we look around us today and we think this world is terrible and we're desperate, but we're not desperate. We're not desperate enough. We'd be acting different, doing different things if we were desperate. If I were to ask you how many of you believe in prayer, every one of your hands would go up. But I want to ask you this morning, you know, we believe in it, but we don't pray. <laughs> every week I get something from somebody on the internet would you help us support prayer in school? And I, I, I have no problem with that. My problem is uh, we're not praying at home. Nobody's told us we couldn't pray at home. We can do whatever we want to do. But we're not praying there. I want to just ask this morning, major on this topic, where have the prayers gone? Now, not the prayers. We've had several prayers already. We're all praying. But I'm talking about the prayers. Where have they gone? I was talking to a preacher uh, several weeks ago, and we were talking about revival, and boy, how he used to remember it, and we remembered it the same way. There'd be a little old door over here, a little old shotgun church, and the women would be over there, and the men would be over here, and, and when it got time for the service, the women would come out, and they'd be crying, and there'd be mascara everywhere all over them there, and the men would come out, and man, God would just fall fresh on that place, and you'd have just a, a revival time with the Lord. And he said, uh, we won't ever have that again. And I said, well, brother... Man, I'd like to see it again. He said, it'll never happen again. I said, why do you think it would never happen again? And I thought he was going to tell me, well, because the world is too evil and the church is too uh, evil itself and we're too much like the world and all of that. And he didn't. He said one thing. He said, because we have forgotten where the secret place is. Now, I want to tell you this morning, we all look good up in here. Most of you even sprayed on a little aqua velva or something. And I mean, you've got your deodorant, you can move around, and you're looking real good. And we can fool each other in this place. But I want to tell you, when you go to that secret place, you strip down before the Lord. 
He knows who you are. He knows what you've got in your mind to do. He knows what you have done. He knows what you will do. I listen quite often to an old country preacher. If you ever wanted just good preaching, just go on the internet and hit Mays Jackson sermons. I listened to him driving down to Houston uh, Friday on that. And he didn't call it the secret place. He said the reason Baptists won't have revival is because there's one place we don't go. There's two places we need to go, but there's one place Baptists don't go. Now, I'm not preaching a second blessing this morning. Uh, I'm preaching a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eight, ten thousand blessings. But Baptists will go to the cross and we want to be saved. But he said, we will not leave the cross and go to the upper room. And the upper room waiting on the Holy Ghost to fall is where the power comes from. In our secret place. Wow. In a secret place, you can only be what you really are. Because God knows what you are. Now let me just ask you this. What's standing between you and God? I mean, if we really got in a serious prayer meeting this morning and the Holy Spirit fell and said, boom, this is what's keeping you from me. Probably every one of us in here would have something. When we get desperate enough, oh God, send us just, listen, one person in here that got right with God and began to intercede and pray could do more than a hundred people sitting in these pews. I know the need of intercessory prayer. I know it now more than ever before. There have been so many times this year when I'd like to just tell somebody where to read the red tag and leave. <laughs> About that time a text would come in praying for you today, lifting you up, standing with you another phone call would come in intercessory prayer we're most like Jesus when we're praying for others Isaiah 59 verse 1 would you stand in honor reverence of God's holy inspired inerrant all sufficient word behold boy this is something we don't need to forget behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crusheth breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity. And the act of violence is in their hands. And then look over, if you would, at verse 16. And he saw that there was no man and wondered 
that there was no intercessor. Then if you would, flip over to chapter 63 of Isaiah and look down at verse 5. And I looked, and there was none to help. And I wondered that there was none to uphold. And then if you go over to Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, the Bible says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Father, this morning, oh God, would you raise up somebody in this place today that will get a hold of the gates of heaven and bombard heaven with prayers so desperately that you'll answer them. And that once again, you'll return us to your throne. That God, we'd reverence you and we'd lift you up. And some of the things that we're seeing now in our country, Lord, you would wipe out. Let it begin right here in this place. Let it begin with me. Let it begin with each one in this building. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Where? have all the prayers gone. The people who fasted and prayed, the people who would get up in the middle of the night and get up early in the morning and they would pray and they would intercede, where have they gone? Where have they gone? The tears, the altars, the sad thing, people ought to be filling these altars up this morning, but instead they'll run the other way. Where, where have they gone? The television's always on. No one prays together. Husbands and wives never seek God's face. Teenagers today have never been able to walk in on a grandmama or a mama who've been pleading the blood of Jesus over their lives in a bedroom somewhere. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Where have all the prayers gone? One praying saint. You see, the greatest work no one ever sees is when you pray, God goes to work. You, you can work all you want to. And, and I'm going to tell you, there's no one better than Southern Baptist at coming up with programs and working. We've got solutions for everything. I mean, I don't care what it is. We've got solutions for it. We scheme and we try to fix things. And we try to figure out how to get loved ones in church and all of our programs. Listen, all we need to do is get a hold of heaven. And the Holy Spirit of God will get those folk in church. They'll win them to Jesus. You're not going to. S.D. Gordon said, the greatest people on the earth are those who pray. Chadwick said, Satan fears nothing but our prayers. I believe the devil this morning is telling us, you go ahead and sing your songs, you preach your sermons, you teach your Sunday school classes, you run your buses, you do all you want to do. Just don't pray. Because if you pray, now this is a good church. It's a good church. But the real truth is we don't have the power to blow the fuzz off a peach. <laughs> and it's not because we're not singing, my soul. You won't find better singing. It's not because we're not preaching because you won't find better preaching. <laughs> not for what, I, listen, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> not for what you pay. You get what you pay for if you want a Joel Osteen, you need to come up with about $4 million a year. That's what you get. I'm preaching to myself. I'm talking about me. We've made our environment so sterile that people are dying all around us going to hell. 
And we've not even contacted God about it. Prayer, let me be honest with you. It is easier for me to preach an hour than it is to pray 10 minutes. Man, when you get down and you really start to pray, the doorbell rings, the phone goes off, somebody drives up in the driveway, the dog barks, Becky sees a cockroach and everything shuts down and we have to go <laughs> get that. Because the devil knows if he can keep us from praying, he can steal our power. Prayer. Let me tell you, <laughs> prayer will drain you, but then it'll fail you. All in the same prayer meeting. Some of my greatest prayer meetings start out with a pity party, and then God gets a hold of it. Or we need, we need to pray. Prayer makes joyful homes. Prayer makes a happy church. Prayer makes a bold witness. It starts with praying. It looks like that before long, we're going to actually have a concrete foundation over here. It really does. Amen. But I do want to tell you in defense, this is not a redneck operation. I know what we'd do if we was in Corrigan. We'd go out there and put our batter boards up. We'd dig a little trench around the thing, maybe one in the middle. We thought we needed it. And if we had any screen wire or steel down at the barn, we'd bring it up and place it around in there too. And then we'd pour concrete. But I want to remind you, the foundation's the most important thing we've got. And if this sheetrock falls off here, that's no problem. Guys, we pay guys, put it back up, paint it, float and tape it, and you'd never even see it. But if this foundation goes, this whole building goes. And folks, our lives are built on the foundation of prayer. We've got to dig down deep. We've got to make sure that when the storms come and the tribulation comes and the trials come, and even when the blessings come, sometimes when the blessings come, we act bigger idiots than we do when we're praying when nothing's happening. The presence of God changes everything. Where have all the prayers gone? Now, let me give you the outline. All that's free. It won't cost you anything. But this is the outline. Here in Isaiah chapter 59, we see that intercession is the great need of our nation and church today. Intercession. It's what we need today. I believe in voting. I believe in just causes. I believe in standing up for morality. I'm against abortion. I'm against homosexuality. You say, well, Charles, Brother Charles, why do you preach that? Because it's in the Word of God. That's why. I'm against transgenderism. I'm against global warming. I want to tell you something. When God gets ready for this earth to disperse, it'll disperse. And we'll see a new heaven and a new earth. But it's, you're not going to shorten it and you're not going to lengthen it. God's got a plan. I just really believe if 10 of us got right in here today that one of our prayer meetings could do more good than four years of polit politics in Washington. Amen. Just one, one good prayer meeting. Two old women, 82 years old and 84 years old, got a burden for revival and started praying. They prayed four months. God came down the Hebrides Island witness revival for three solid years. 
because two old women found out what the, what the root was. We, uh, in Port Natchez, we had one of those times. Uh, we went eight weeks in revival every night except Saturday. Eight weeks. My church wouldn't listen. I, I can't believe a church wouldn't do that. So I bypassed the church and went with the youth director. And the one we got now listened to if he, wants, if he knows what's good for him. <laughs> I brought in somebody, and Jason was younger then, and he knows. He, he, wasn't a, he wasn't no great spiritual giant. But at that time, God just led me to believe that our young people needed to learn how to be soldiers. The guy was a dynamite guy. He was a mm, right-wing fundamentalist, you know, tough. And I told him, he said, what are you wanting? I said, I want you to teach my young people. When they witness and go in the north part of the mall and they throw them out, they go around to the east door and witness. And when they throw them out of the east door, they go around to the south door and witness. And when they throw them out of the south door, they go around to the west door and witness. I want them to be soldiers. And for one week, we shut everything down at the church. We brought in little portable trailers to shire in. We kept all of them in. One of the other pastors there said, hey, we want to get in on this with you. They came. Man, I want to tell you, God come down. Our young people, man, it was just... Ooh, God was so thick in that place. And then my adults started saying, why can't we get in on this? I said, you didn't want in on this. I said, you can get in on it, but you're going to do it the way we're doing it. I said, okay. So we would start church at 7 o'clock. We'd sing two solid hours. And then we'd preach. We never got out before 11 o'clock. And for eight weeks... 10, 15, 20 people a night saved. God just come down. And you know what our people started saying? Brother Charles, how much longer are we going to do this? I mean, it's almost time, you know, things, we got things to do. See, we sit here and want revival, but if revival really came, it'd tear our lives up. I want to say with the disciples, Lord, Teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. My children, my grandchildren, they need what I can't give them. They need a touch from God. God has led me, and I, I wish I'll throw this out. Maybe you'll do this too. But, you know, you get older, you kind of reminisce and think about all the things you messed up in life. And we prayed, we had Bible studies, we sat around the living room and all that. But God just showed me, everybody's into this old wood. They pay big money for this old wore-out wood, you know, that's no good. If you just took some of that wore-out old wood and made you a little, a little altar, a little cross on it with a place to put a Bible, and you begin to teach your children and grandchildren, when you got a problem, you go to that altar. You don't go to mom and dad. You don't go to your friends. You don't go anywhere. You go to that altar. You know what I think would happen? Now, now, you young adults don't want to do this. You want to wait till you get my age. Because if you're young.
yourself and you start fussing in front of your five-year-old, he'll tell you, Mom, Dad, don't you think you need to go to the altar? Because they'll talk straight to you. I'm just wondering how much stronger our homes would be if there was a place, I know it's symbolic, but if there was a place where you could say, go to the altar. If you've got a need, go to that altar. That's where you meet God. We need some more men like Moses. God going to wipe out an entire country. And he said, God, please don't do that. Take me instead, but let them live. We need some more guys like Abraham who will look out over a wicked city, Sodom and Gomorrah, and say, God, if we could just find ten people, would you spare them? We need more people like Jesus that looked over Jerusalem and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you together like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. We need more people like Paul who said, Look, for my countrymen, God, I'll go on and go to hell if you'll just save my countrymen. We need that. Now, listen, it doesn't start by being better Christians. Verse 5 here, we read, he talks about uh, poison. Verse 6 talks about violence. Verse 9 talks about the fact that they're walking in darkness. Isaiah 59 is a description of how low Israel has become. And when you read that chapter, you'll find out America's right in there with her. There's no difference there either. I mean, we're thinking good is evil and evil is good. I mean, we've got a lot to brag about in America. I mean, a baby now can be killed the day he's born. Sin has always been evil. And there's only one thing that can break through sin, and that's the light of the gospel. And it begins in prayer. It must start in prayer. Now, here's our big problem. Before you can pray and intercede, there must be a time of confession. Doesn't do any good to intercede unless there's a confession. See, if, you, if you've got iniquity in your heart, it doesn't get any far, farther than these ceiling tiles here. That's all it does. So there's got to be a confession. So the question is, what is the sin in your life? What's the thing right now that the Holy Spirit would say, this thing in your life is keeping me from listening to your prayers and answering your prayers? What is it? What is it? Charles Tindley was a little black boy, five years old. His mother was free. His daddy was a slave. And uh, he worked with her, his mother, as a custodian at a church. They cleaned the bathrooms, cleaned all the floors, swept everything. He He worked like that. He taught himself his own education. He went to a neighboring church as time went on and he became, he learned how to read and he taught himself his own education and people around him helped him there. He went to a neighboring church. They had a Greek and Hebrew course and he took Greek and Hebrew. (laughs) And then he ended up going back to the church that he used to be the custodian at and pastored the church. He started with 130 people and the day he left, almost dead, there were over 10,000 people there. He wrote songs. He was just blessed. God's anointing was on him. One of my favorite songs that he wrote was, Take Your Burdens to the Cross and Leave It There. 
You know, we don't do that. We bring our burden down here, and then we pick it up, and we haul it back with us. Really no need to come to the altar if you're not going to leave your burden here. But my favorite song he wrote was this. Nothing between my soul and my Savior. Naught of this world's delusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between. Nothing between my soul and my Savior. So that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clean. There's nothing between. I wonder if we could sing that song this morning. <laughs> I wonder what Longview would look like a week from now if this church said, God, we're not going to let anything stand between us and you. Any bitterness, pride, lust, dishonesty, hypocrisy, Anything God told you to do and you just never have got around to doing it? Any vow you made to God but now you've just not done it? What if we came to a place where we could say with Tindley, there's nothing between me and you, God. Nothing. Intercession is the need of our church, our country. But let me give you the second thing that's here. Intercession is the desire of our God. He said, I'm looking for somebody. I'm looking for an intercessor. In verse 16, I'm looking for an intercessor. Chapter 63, verse 5, I'm looking for an intercessor. Over in Ezekiel, I'm looking for somebody who will stand in the gap. It's a different author, but it's the same Holy Spirit. He's talking about the same thing. Mm. I just believe that if someone in this group today would get serious, God would begin to work. I'm talking about from the pulpit all the way out through the end of the church. I've already figured out through God that the result and the fruit of this message is not going to be shown today. But it will by next week. If somebody gets serious here about praying and interceding, we'll see it next month. And we'll see it the next month. Let me give you the last thing I'm through. <laughs> Intercession is the need of this country and this church. Intercession is the desire of God. But intercession is the work of Christ. See, I March will be 48 years I've been in the ministry. Sometime, Brother Dale, the older I get, the dumber I get. See, I, I just kind of had this thing in my mind that God's looking for an intercession, and, and, but there's no one there, and they're involved in evil and iniquity, and they're lying, and they're mischievous, and all of this stuff is going on. So God just says, all right, that's what you want. That's what you're going to get. But that's not what he did. Look at verse 16. See, we read the first part. Look at the last part. He saw there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore... 
His arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness it sustaineth him. Look in 63, verse 5. I looked, there was none to help. I wondered, there was none to uphold. Therefore, mine own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury it upheld me. When there was no intercessor, what our God says is, I'll send you one. And he sent Jesus. The mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. The only mediator between God and man. He didn't just tell us, go fly a kite. He didn't say, I'm never going to work with you again. He said, because I can't find an intercessor, I'm going to send my own intercessor. And Christ Jesus came. God looked at a needy people, and he said, I will provide one myself. And he sent his only begotten son. I love John 17. That's one of my favorite. It's the prayer of Jesus. A lot of people think Jesus' prayer was old. Our Father in heaven, and he, that's fine, you can do that. But he prayed in John 17. And he said there, one instance there, Father, I want these. He's talking about the apostles and all of those with him. He said, I want these to be one with you like you and I are one together. Isn't that wonderful? That he wanted everybody there. But here's the best part. He goes on down a little bit further and he says, all those who come. He's talking about us. He said, all of those who come in the future, I want them to be one with you and me like you and I are one. <laughs> he wants us to be one with him also. When people ask, <laughs> Hebrews 7, let me just quote that for you, 7 uh, verse uh, uh, 25, the Bible says this, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Us old people, we want, when we get to heaven, we want a big mansion. Amen. Anybody here want a shack? I listened to a song yesterday, Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. I said, Lord, have mercy. I can live in a cabin down here. I want a mansion. And so when somebody says, what's the Lord been doing? 2,000 years he's been building my mansion. Amen. Well, now don't, don't say amen real quick, guy. Because <laughs> let me make this point here. <laughs> he created this heavens and earth in six days. All he's got to do to do my mansion is just speak, and it's there. You know what the Lord's been doing the last 2,000 years? He's been at the right hand of the Father interceding for you for me you ever been there when you didn't know what to pray and you just kind of sat there oh no he's praying for you he's interceding for you I believe these are last days we're living in honestly I don't quote me on this I don't want to get all these emails uh, but I, I honestly I believe the judgment of God has already started I mean, I just, that's just me. But I know this. There's a God in heaven, just like Darren sang a while ago, we're not going to get through this. I've read the book. This place is going to be destroyed. But for those who love Jesus, been saved by the blood of the Lamb, we're going on up ahead of time. And we're going to get to have a ringside seat and watch what's going on here. It's not that the Father can't do it, but it's in his plan that it's not going to be done. 
Intercessory prayer makes us like Jesus. Henry Martin, the great missionary, he said, when I get backslidden and cold, I wouldn't dare ask you because you'd lie to me anyway. But most of us in here are backslid today. If we, if we just ask the question, am I closer to God today than I was a year ago? You'd remember, oh, no, man, I remember that revival we had a year ago. Whew, I was on fire for Jesus. I'm cooled off now. That's called backsliding. Henry Martin says, when I start backsliding and I notice myself getting cold before the Lord, he said, what I do is I stop and I begin to pray for people that need Jesus, that have problems, that are interceding for them. And he said, suddenly, God lifts that spirit. It's tragic that God could look at our country and see thousands of preachers. I know you've been very gracious, and you've told me uh, that if I go to jail for preaching the word, you're going to come and be there. I know you're lying. You ain't going to do it. <laughs> you're going to be scared to go down there because you're scared they're going to lock you up too. I'm just praying I got enough courage and strength to just go right on. But it's amazing that God could look at our country and see thousands of preachers. If I dropped dead of a heart attack, there'd be 200 resumes by dark tomorrow night. There's thousands of churches. There's hundreds of quartets. There's singers. There's teachers. There's an evangelist on every corner. And yet I cannot find an intercessor. Hmm. I guess the real truth I just want to tell you this morning. Time for us to stop play acting. If we're not going to be different, if we're not going to be changed, if we're not going to intercede for folks all around us who are hurting and who are lost without Jesus Christ, if we're not going to do that, we probably need to close our Bibles and computers and turn out the lights and go on home. God hadn't figured this thing out. Most folk just want fellowship, and that's good. Fellowship's good, but that's what most folk want. And if that's what you want, if that's what this church wants, we can shut this place down, join Pinecrest Country Club. It's cheaper than what you're paying in your tithes. You'll come out ahead. We'll, all, we'll get the fellowship, and we'll get the, it's all wonderful. But, oh, dear God, I'm praying that there's a remnant that God will raise up, that this church will never cease. There will be people, I know, listen to me, I didn't fall off the watermelon truck last night. I know a lot of people don't want this kind of preaching. I know that. That's in the world today. But I'm praying there's enough of you here that do want the Word of God that we're going to hold out to the very end. And we're not going with no fad. We're not going with no other program. We're going with the Word of God, blessed by the Holy Spirit of God. And I believe when those last days are upon us, I believe it's going to be the faith of those like you, no matter how small it is. Darren sang a while ago, my faith is small. Well, good grief. It only takes the faith the size of a mustard seed to move a mountain. It don't take a lot of big faith. Pray with me. Take time 
to be holy. Speak oft with the Lord. I'm asking you this morning, maybe there's some husbands or some daddies, maybe some mamas, maybe some teenagers, that you need to take somebody by the hand and say, look, would you go to the altar with me? We haven't prayed together in a long time. And I just tell you, we need to get on our face before God. We need to quit playing church. And we just need to just say, oh God, clean my heart up. Clean my soul up. Make me to where there's nothing between me and you. And oh Lord, let me intercede. Hey, there are people in this place today that have got children that have strayed and backslidden. And, and, and grandchildren. Maybe parents. Hey, and they've run from you and you may not even know where they are. But I tell you this morning, by the word of God, his hand is not shortened. He knows exactly where they are. His spirit is not weak. He knows exactly how to fall fresh on them and change their hearts and lives. He's waiting on an intercessor. He's waiting on people to bombard heaven with our prayers. Oh, God, may this be a praying church. God, if there are people here that need you as their personal Savior, Lord, help them to understand it's useless to pray unless they pray for forgiveness and, and come to you this morning. That's the first prayer you hear. May they be saved before it's too late. They're looking for a church home where they want to put their hands to the plow and they want to pray and they want to sing. They want to serve the Lord and be a servant. God, send them here. How we need them, especially in these days ahead. Have your way and your will in every life in this place right here. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me as Brother Aaron leads us?